Hey everyone, I'm Josh Brown, and this is another episode of the Follow Your Soul Heart Podcast. Today, I'm actually here with Jason Purvis, who's the owner-operator of the Queen Creek Chick-fil-A. Uh, Jason oversees 50 full-time and part-time staff here at Chick-fil-A. It's one of my favorite restaurants in town. Nowhere else can you get better Christian chicken, as I like to say. So, <laughs> Jason, welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, so, to dive in, uh, we're going to be talking today kind of about this culture of excellence, and I think Chick-fil-A embodies that no matter where you're at in the country, and particularly, though, um, you know, I grew up in the south and so chick-fil-a was a very prominent part of life there um but what i love about here being in queen creek is your staff team is they embody that and so let's start with maybe give a little bit of background about yourself how you got into this you know managing a restaurant managing chick-fil-a of all things and then we can dive a little more into the culture of excellence that you guys create all right um i got started i was turning 30 and getting ready to make some changes i, I didn't feel like things were going the way i wanted them to go up to that point and so i had this bright idea let's let's start a business let's start a restaurant and so I contacted uh, my buddy Jay Akins, uh, who works for Chick-fil-A in the corporate offices, which I didn't know at the time. And I said, hey man, let's, let's do this together. Let's partner up and, and let's, let's combine our skills and our experiences and, and let's make this happen. And he said, man, I'm about a year into this new job. I kind of want to see how it goes, but I, I think you'd be a great franchisee for us. And I'm like, fast food, 30 years old, I think I'm graduated out of out of that yeah and and he said just look into us he said we're different and and I was like okay whatever so he actually bothered me for about six months to do this and I was very very hesitant (laughs) and so one one night really just to get him off my back I said okay 10 minutes internet research and I'm out (laughs) and I went I went straight after the founder Truett Cathy and I said, let's see, this guy's probably just, you know, like my mental image of what I thought most of these people are like is a rich guy yeah. and uh, doesn't, you know, he's just in it for the money. Yeah. And I was mistaken. And so I started researching Truett and th- that 10 minutes led to several hours and then eventually into a career. And what I discovered through that research was Chick-fil-A is truly different. That's cool. And I was just passionate about the things they were doing with scholarships and uh, the Windshade Foundation, uh, which is uh, helping um, foster care children, helping mm. marriages uh, become stronger or to grow. Uh, they, have, they have so many things that are happening outside of selling chicken. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, this is, a, this is a great organization. Yeah. And, and I want to be a part of that. That's cool. And so I started my process. Mm. Uh, I was living in uh, Pennsylvania at the time. And I moved from Pennsylvania to Atlanta to work in, uh, with another franchisee. And I okay. worked with him, Mike Holmes, in Petrie City, Georgia. Nice. Uh, Been through there, years. actually. Have you? Yeah. yeah golf cart community uh-huh. of the, of the yeah. country. <laughs> and, uh, and did that for two and a half years. Nice. And then I spent another two and a half years on the corporate side uh, running corporate-owned restaurants and then transitioning them on to new franchisees. 
Okay. Which is how I ended up in Arizona. Uh, I was going to ask that. Like, how do you go yeah. from Georgia, <laughs> you know, all the way out here to the hot desert? So. Yeah. So two and a half years, I lived in five different states nice. doing that. And uh, I ended up out here. I was supposed to transition this off to another franchisee. And my boss at the time said, I think this is a great fit. Mm -hmm. And I was excited about it. I, I thought it looked like a great opportunity. And, and so one thing led to another. We got a lot of support and, and got selected uh, for this Chick-fil-A opportunity. That's cool. So basically the way that it worked here locally was they had already developed it or were in the process and looking for the owner operator to take over and then decided, oh wait, Jason's our guy. Yeah, we were a year in uh, from its opening date. Okay. And the, the individual who originally was the franchise owner uh, decided to go a different direction. Mm. Uh, it was not a good start mm. out here. Financially, it was a rough start. It, the <laughs> restaurant was in, um, it, it was just financially in a, in a tough place because the, the economic downfall had hit us right at the opening date, uh, yeah, and uh, it, it was it was nothing the the former franchisee could have done. Yeah, it just it, you had to wait it out, <laughs> and I was the guy that got to wait it out. <laughs> so, um, it wasn't an easy choice. Yeah, uh, I, I knew going into it, I, I said this is going to be two to three years of not collecting a paycheck, mm. and and it truly ended up to be that. And so it had some tough years and some tough times yeah. for me personally, but the restaurant continued to grow. The community began to, you know, take hold, yeah. and, and we've had tremendous support from the community. Yeah, that's cool. That's one of the things I like about this area, you know, because I grew up in a farm in Kentucky, eventually ended up in Nashville, but while I worked downtown, I lived in a farming community yeah. north of town, 30 <laughs> minutes, Cross Plains, Tennessee. We had a one-stop sign, that was it, you know, there was yep. no stoplights, none of that. Um, and when, I, when we moved out here, my wife's from Chandler down the road, um, we were looking for something that was, in her, in her words, close enough to Target, <laughs> but far enough out of the city where I would feel yes. comfortable. So anyway, when we did our research, we ended up right on the border, Queen Creek, Santan Valley area. Yes. Um, and we were driving around this community, and when we saw Chick-fil-A, I was like, that's the answer, you know, <laughs> because if there's a Chick-fil-A that can exist out here, yes. then you know there's clientele, there's people, there's families, <laughs> right, <laughs> because right. that's, that's going to be a large part of the success. So, um, But yeah, like in the last year even, I've noticed out here all the new economic development going on. Uh, Queen Creek seems to have a big culture of trying to build that to give business and business owners a lot more opportunity than maybe yeah. some other towns. Yeah, so. it's, been a, it's been a great place to do business, Yeah, for sure. That's really cool. So let's dive into the idea of like building this culture of excellence because obviously it's one thing to open a Chick-fil-A restaurant knowing people are gonna come, but it's another thing to really create kind of a culture where, you know, you were saying you oversee 50 full and part-time staff. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of people to manage and to, to manage in a, in a restaurant that's like not, you know, they're known for their customer service. Right. So like how, like how do you get a handle on that? What's your sort of like motto or what do you do to kind of build that culture of excellence with your own staff? It is, uh, I mean, it starts from the, from the hiring process. Uh, we are looking for, for individuals that uh, do what we call the core four. Uh, can they make eye contact? Can they share a smile? Yeah. Can they speak enthusiastically? 
Uh, can they communicate with the guest and, and create a connection? Mm. Uh, when we're interviewing, that's, that's what we're looking for. Uh, our interview process goes through two or three of my leadership uh, individuals before they come to me. If they come to me, then they've been recommended. I assume that there's somebody the team wants to work with, and yeah. I just get a chance to meet them and you know put them through one final filter. Yeah, and so so that's what we're looking for initially. That should be. Uh, just the basics mm-hmm. then we start to look for you know a little bit of your experience although that's not completely necessary but it can help sometimes yeah uh, we're looking for your personality to be bright and excited uh, you know and, and someone that we think would communicate well with our clientele mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's a big part of it too you have to you kind of have to look for who fits your community yeah uh, if I was in a um, metropolitan area, I, I might hire a little differently. Yeah, uh, and with that in mind. Exactly. So, um, so we do that. Then it goes into our training. We spend a lot of time in the training process. Uh, the first week is just shadowing somebody and being next to one of our top leaders, gotcha. um, and they're instructing and teaching the entire way through. And then after that, the expectation is you're going to start working on your own. We want to put the pressure on. You have 30 days from the time you start um, until your first review, and we expect you to be functioning in a position uh, well uh, within 30 days. Nice. If you're not, if you're struggling, we're going to take one of two routes. If you're really struggling and it's like this is not a good fit, we're going to share that. Hey, restaurant industry probably isn't for you. Mm-hmm. Um, great person. You could be, they could be phenomenal as, as an individual. It's not a personal attack. It's just <laughs> this industry is not for you. Yeah. Let's get you focused on what is for you. That's cool. Um, or we will, we will give them the, the feedback that they need, which they're getting all along the way as well, but additional feedback and say, hey, let's give this another 30 days. We think you can pull out of this yeah. and that you're going to be great. Um, and, and oftentimes that that's usually enough. By sixty days, we've we've made a final decision, gotcha. and so they know that from the get go. That's yeah. not that's not hidden. That is you know what we lay out, and so like it puts that competitiveness which we want out of our people. Uh, do they have that that internal aspect of saying I I can go get it? Yeah. Uh, we we tell them uh, even from the forefront. You know we're we're not going to hold your hand through this. We're not micromanagers. If we have to micromanage you, you're, you're out. <laughs> you know, that's, that's someone else's job. <laughs> My team is too busy and they're yeah. too focused on so many other things. Um, so, so that's kind of the aspect of the training and where we go. Um, we attract some of the, the best talent uh, by offering uh, what I feel is, is some of the highest starting wages in the industry. Uh, we start full time at $13.50 an hour. Uh, over here, of course, our, our minimum wage here is ten fifty. Yeah, and we'll continue to increase that with with the minimum wage increases that are coming. Yeah, uh, exactly. Over the next few That's years. That's cool. Uh, so I really want... like that part of the culture because I've got several people that I know here locally that you know, and these are grown adults that have worked um, plenty of jobs before, and they end up in a job that you know they should probably be. At least a thirteen dollar an yeah. hour job, and they're starting out at ten fifty, yeah. um, which and that's up from where it used to be ten. Right. Um, and and so like I think leading that way by example 
you know, you just don't see businesses do that, you know. And yeah. I think it kind of testifies again to the culture of what you've created and just Chick-fil-A in general where it's like we're not going to wait for the government to mandate something always. We're going to go, you know, serve people and not just people in the community but our own employees as well. Yeah, and it did, you know, my reason for doing this, I did it back in November um, 2017 is when I started this. I went through a lot of conversation uh, with some individuals who had made this move much further along than I did and, and sooner than I did. But uh, I, I was kind of waffling on it, not knowing, you know, everyone gets a little nervous about how it's going to impact your profits and, yeah. and things of that nature. We had just really started getting into that realm mm-hmm. of, of the growth of the business. And I, the, really the, the determining factor came when one of my employees was just sharing with me a story you know, I was asking them how their day was going, and they're like, man, i got to get my car fixed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and then another one, like two days later, my, my air conditioning went out in my house. Mm. And, and, you know, and they had, you know, three kids. And I'm like, man. And, and I went home that night, and I said, I don't know if they can afford mm. to fix that without having to sacrifice paying their rent or, you know, paying a utility bill. And, and, and I felt personally... For me, I was asking myself, can they? And I couldn't answer back confidently to myself. And I said, you know, I've gotta, I gotta make sure that they don't have that problem because they work so hard to make sure I don't have that problem. Mm. And, and so that was a very important aspect to me. And sometimes you just have to make choices that you believe are the right thing to do. They still yeah. have to fit within a, a good business structure. They have to fit within a profitability structure. But I've always told my team, you know, if you give to me, I'm going to give back to you. That's cool. And, and I've done that in various ways of providing, you know, key pieces of equipment that help make their life easier, their job easier. And, and I've done it in, in, in providing different other benefits. But when it really comes down to it, what people want is they want cash in their pocket. <laughs> they want the opportunity to make those choices. And so I did the research. I found out what a living wage was for our area. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it throughout the Phoenix area. And then I, I kind of just jumped it up a little bit more than that. That's cool. And, um, and, and in exchange, though, there is an exchange. <laughs> we, we have changed our culture from um, hiring a lot of high schoolers and, and, and entry level to, uh, you know, we want you to come in with, with strong skills. We want you to be able to get started in 30 days. Uh, we're not going to spend the next year developing you, helping you mature, and, and training you in that way. Uh, we expect you to come with those experiences already in hand. And then we expect you to give us a full availability. Mm-hmm. You're, you, we're going to schedule you according to the needs of the business, mm-hmm. not us fluctuating around your particular schedule, maybe it's with high school or college or yeah. another job. Uh, we we wanted to eliminate all of that, and uh, and that's completely changed how we do our business, and it's been phenomenal. Yeah, I bet. Well, and honestly, you know, I think that's where a lot of companies kind of get into the mindset of, oh, I'm going to make a change over here. But they do it in a way where the employees don't change that expectation of what they're going to deliver, how they're going to, you know, um, perform. And when that happens, then there kind of gets that little bit of tension. So it's nice that you did that on the front end because I think, you know, uh, uh, one of my bosses a long time ago once told me, 
and, and he said, if you're ever fired and you don't know it, the leadership did it wrong. And what he meant by that was if you're ever working a job and no one's been holding you accountable along the way or setting expectations in a way that you realize I'm not meeting those expectations, and then one day they're like, oh, we need to let you go, and you're flabbergasted. Why would you ever do this? Right. You know. Um, and I love that idea of like, here's the expectations. If you meet them, we're good. If you exceed them, that's great. That's what yeah. we really want. But if you don't meet them, like you said, it's not a personal attack against you. There's just a better fit for you somewhere right. else. You know. Yes. <laughs> and even that way with like entry level people. You know, uh, this generation a lot of times wants to. You know, I've got friends. Uh, even now, like in their 30s, getting out of school still, you know, maybe they've gone back for a second, you know, second round because they didn't like their first career and they're getting out and they want that like high level, you know, supervisory role job without the experience. And I think that's good too, like telling people in our community, like, look, you need experience because we've got a culture that you could be a part of, be a part of this thing, but you've got to You've got to be willing and ready and available to, yes. you know, be a part of it. So yeah. that's really cool. I like that. So in terms of like your general leadership style, you seem very approachable, you know, with your staff, like being able to just set basic expectations, keep it professional, obviously still keep it personable yeah. because that's a big key. Um, but like, how do you go about, you know, just leading yourself? You know, do you like, are there books you read and follow advice? Does Chick-fil-A have that, like their own leadership kind of you know, motto philosophy that you follow? Or do you get to develop that on your own? It's, I get to develop it on my own. Um, it's, cool. it's my responsibility. You know, it's, it's, I'm an independent business owner. I'm, uh, you know, and, and Chick-fil-A is very clear on that. Uh, they don't, uh, yeah, they, they don't micromanage me. They do some help with the startup, right? Yes. But then after that, it's sort of like, yeah, hey, it's yeah. you. <laughs> I've, I've, I've read sometimes online comments that they're just a glorified general manager. And I'm like, you're not paying the insurance bills. Yeah. You're not dealing with the legal issues. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, a re- it's the real deal just a different setup and in, in how we get started and and what I appreciate about Chick-fil-A you know and just for for the listeners uh, Chick-fil-A covers all the they own the buildings they own the equipment we lease those from them uh, so they're responsible for all of that nice. uh, our share is ten thousand dollars that's it there there's nothing else on top of that except for the profit shares yeah uh, of course <laughs> and uh, but what that allows is for in my opinion, it's allowed younger people to get involved in a franchise mm. ownership situation. Yeah, um, it allows people who, like myself, who who don't come from a wealthy background by any means. My dad was enlisted in the army for nine. Uh, I'm sorry, for 24 years, and my mom, you know, was just did whatever job possible to, <laughs> yeah. to help out, and eventually started her own cleaning business. But it was just a one man shop yeah. type thing, and. Um, and so, you know, my big joke, actually, my parents bought their first house after I went to college. And, it's, and I went in to see their home. I, I'd come home from college, and I got to see this, this, this cool new home. And I was fascinated that they had a bathroom in their bedroom. I had never, I truly had never seen that. Yeah. Uh, we had always had one bathroom that we shared with our entire family. Yeah. <laughs> and in military, you just, whatever they give you, that's what you get. Exactly. I never realized my house was small. I never realized that I didn't have what all my other friends had. Yeah. You don't think like that. No. 
And so to this day, I'm still fascinated by master bathrooms. That's a bonus for your for your listeners. <laughs> and so, so we, you know, we get into this situation where now we've got young minds coming in. We've got individuals that maybe they don't come from from a background of wealth, which was usually required. I think most most franchisees require at least two hundred fifty thousand in liquid income. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oftentimes closer to half a million. Yeah. Then you have to build it out. So you're already successful in mm-hmm. most franchises to have that. So we have that knowledge coming in and we have that fresh perspective. And I think that keeps us on the cutting edge uh-huh. of, of what we do. It, there's also a, a deep appreciation from Chick-fil-A franchisees. Mm. Uh, we really love what we do. Even, you know, it's not perfect. And, and you know, we have our areas where we're like, well, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> but when it all comes down to it, we always come to the, to the same conclusion of, we may not like it, but we love what we do. We would never do any choose to do anything else. Yeah. And that's a big indicator. That's pretty cool. Usually why we're concerned is we just want to make sure it stays on the track that it's been on. Yeah. Uh, of, of success and us being involved and, and, and being this local ownership mentality. That's cool. Yeah, I was actually reading a while back, like a McDonald's, it's the quarter million to half million dollars yeah. of fronting money. And yeah, you're right. It just breaks down those barriers, which then, like you said, like, again, it's that sort of like giving and receiving back and forth kind of, you know, tangent where, you know, they're helping you guys as owners get things off the ground way quicker than maybe other companies would. But then as a result, there's higher expectations. Yes. And also as a result of that, though, being higher expectations and you can get more sense of value out of the work that you get to do, which... I mean, comes across just talking here today. And um, I, I really, I love that whole culture and mentality. Um, and I think more businesses should adopt it, you know. Yeah. Um, really, so many people get caught up. And that's part of what this podcast is about, helping owners or, you know, business leaders realize that, at, at, yeah, you've got to be profitable. Like, yeah. there's a, <laughs> we're in it to make money. Right. You know, someone the other day, I was talking to, uh, some local people in our area and they're, you know, they're building some new you know, homes and that kind of thing. And so we were, I was discussing the farming impact yeah. and they said, well, all the farmers out here just raise cash crops. And I was like, every crop's a cash crop. <laughs> <laughs> farmers aren't raising crops just to look pretty as you drive exactly. by. Everybody's trying to make money at some point, you know, um, because that's how we're going to live. But inside of there, being able to do it and give back to people or yes. do that and, you know, be excited to show up to work every day. And uh, that was that was one of the reasons I left my job initially was I was starting to get to the point where I wasn't as excited to show up every day. And I knew if I could go out on my own, the whole creative world would just sort of break out for me because I loved all the different opportunities that existed. So anyway, but man, I really appreciate your time. I think this has been cool getting a chance to know you a little bit more about the culture uh, that you guys have going on. So thanks for being a part of this. Absolutely. (laughs) Cool. Well, hey, everybody, that is today's episode of the Follow Your Soul Heart podcast. If you want to get in touch with me, uh, you can always email me, josh at soulheart.co. Really appreciate your attention. Thanks for following. This has been another episode of the Follow Your Soul Heart Podcast.